Hello and welcome to the Messy Studio Greece edition. Um, I'm here once again with Terry McLaughlin in Skopelos Island, Greece, and um, we've just finished up our workshop here, so we're kind of uh, being able to relax for a few days and um, get some podcasting done. So, <laughs> um, and today we are going to talk about poetry and painting, and this is. Uh, something that I discussed uh, with my own work in episode 67 when I was in Ireland and I was talking about the series that I did with um, in relation to the work of Seamus Heaney. Uh, but both Jerry and I have worked with poetry and Jerry's actually done quite a bit more than I have. Uh, he's worked with several different poets and series of paintings over time including Edna St. Vincent Millay, Constantine Cavafy, and Walt Whitman. And we have a joint exhibit coming up that opens September 5th at Jennifer Perlmutter Gallery in the Bay Area. And um, this exhibit has to do with poetry. So since we're together at the moment in Greece, we thought we'd talk a little bit about the intersection of poetry and painting for the podcast. So welcome, Jerry. Thank you very much, Rebecca. So, Jerry, uh, recently you wrote a blog post um, that had to do with this very topic, and you talked about some of the similarities that you've seen between um, what poets do and what abstract painters do, particularly uh, abstract work. Um, I'm wondering if you could just kind of elaborate on those ideas a little bit. Sure. Um, I think one of the things that comes up is that for a lot of people who see abstraction uh, and a lot of people who see poetry, there's this feeling of they just kind of don't get it or don't understand it. And I, and they ask what it means. And I think that uh, in that way, for a lot of people, they find it inaccessible. And I think that's unfortunate. Um, another aspect I think is similar is that neither of them really is trying to explain anything both of them are creating images, one with paint and the other with words, that are really meant to evoke moods or feelings or sensations or capture something that we find difficult to capture um, in our lives. It's kind of like a, it, it's a it's another reality. Like you're creating a reality with words, or you're creating something with paint that you know isn't necessarily uh, des describable in a linear way. Exactly. I, that's the point of them, really, is to use them to create something that we can't create in another form. At their core, I think both of them focus on sensibility, on subject matter, on aesthetics and technique. Uh, in both of these art forms, the artist sees the world or sees aspects of the world in a certain way and is trying to recreate their internal vision of that, uh, either through painting or through the use of words. And also, I think that uh, both artists um, who paint and artists who write have a vocabulary. Uh, we have a vocabulary of shapes and lines and textures and colors, and poets use a vocabulary of words and structures and images. Uh, so in some ways, you might call poetry a kind of word painting. Mm. So... Um did you, as an abstract painter, did you find it uh, when you started reading poetry, or maybe you've been reading poetry for a long time, uh, do you find it um, a sort of a mindset that you can get into because of your painting when you read poetry and you, you know you don't demand that it makes 
um, the type of sense that you might uh, look for in prose writing? Yeah, I think that for me, um, poetry really is a way for me to find an internal space that allows me to paint more deeply. Uh, for me, it's not just about the poetry itself, which is very, very important to me, but it's also about the poets and the lives of the poets and the things that they struggled with. Uh, but it ends up being a compilation of all of that, the poets themselves, the poems themselves, and then the kind of space that living with those people and their work over a period of time creates for me. And that allows me to get into a space that perhaps location or emotion or another painter might use to access their abstraction. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's something uh, we can get into a little more deeply later in the podcast is like actually that state of mind um, when you're working and when you're reading the poetry. Um, I'm wondering, I was curious what you said about the lives of the poets um, and how that's important to you. Do you feel the same way about the lives of abstract painters, for example? It's an interesting question, and we had talked about it a little bit earlier in the uh, during the workshop on our trip. I don't particularly care much about the lives of abstract painters when I look at abstract paintings. I care about them, but separate from the work. That's not true for poets. For some reason, the lives of the poets help me connect to their work. I think perhaps because there is a kind of tangible aspect to poetry in that it uses words and those words can recreate some links to a person that I think perhaps abstract painting doesn't do uh, at least as easily for me. And the lives that these people led and the struggles that they had deepen my connection to their poetry and deepen my connection to them. And then that deepens my connection to the work that I'm trying to make. Yeah, that's really interesting that there's that difference. And I know it's kind of hard to explain. I kind of feel the same way. I mean, I was, I saw this exhibit of Seamus Heaney's uh, life in Dublin, and I was like, very captivated. And um, while I too am interested in the lives of uh, abstract painters of the, in the past or present, I don't find myself as drawn into wanting to know you know, their biographies or what they did. And and many artists are, so maybe it's just a personal um, thing. But it's it is the it's a visual experience, obviously, with art. And um to to overlay that more intellectual um aspect of of writing and words is another step. And maybe with abstract painting, it's such a direct visual experience. And with the written word, it, it does open the door to wondering how did they arrive at those particular words. The topics that they write about are perhaps more, you, you can see the tie to their lives. Whereas with abstract painting, there may be no imagery, there may be really no clue as to where the imagery came from. Something I was just thinking about is that there is a universality to painting because it, especially abstract painting, because it doesn't involve words. 
And if you talk about truly non-representational painting, then that means it transcends things like language, culture, mm -hmm. things like that, because there are no points of reference to bounce off of. It could be painted by a man, a woman, somebody who's old or young, gay or straight from anywhere in the world. Whereas poetry is written in a specific language, often with very specific reference to gender, to sexual orientation, to location, things that we can more tangibly connect to mm. that perhaps in some ways abstract painting transcends. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like, um, I know one of the things you mentioned uh, with poetry was uh, when we were talking was the different translations. So if it's written in a different language than we speak, um, you know, there's there's always going to be something lost when it when a translator tries to find the right words. Yeah, uh, I had some work previously. It was by Constantine Cavafy. Sorry, I did some work previously that was based on the work of Constantine Cavafy, who was a Greek poet. And I don't speak any Greek, and so I re relied a hundred percent on the translations of those. And no matter how good they are, the kinds of things that poets often use, like rhyme alliteration, rhythm, things like that are lost. Currently, for our show together, I'm looking at the work of um, Federico Garcia Lorca, and I do speak Spanish. And so I'm reading these poems in Spanish and reading multiple translations and often finding that although the translation helps me understand the poem, when I then go back and read it in Spanish, it has much more impact on me because I don't have to rely on the kind of awkward transition that happens in the translation. Mm. Yeah, and, and there's there's there is a level of exploration that we can do with poetry uh, because of the words that um, re there are often references that you know when I was reading Heaney's Heaney's poetry, he'd reference um, mythology or a, a place location or maybe some uh, terminology that came from his experience growing up in Northern Ireland that I wasn't familiar with. And the first time reading through, I kind of would just sort of skip over those things and go, oh, I'll figure that out later, you know. But actually taking the time to look these things up and all of a sudden it would open a new door because obviously he chose that image, that reference, that word for a reason. And as soon as I understood more about it, it, it just added a lot of meaning to the poem that I didn't see before. And although he's writing basically in English, the wherever people are from culturally, geographically, there will be things that, that, that we don't know about because we don't know the area. I think in the end, both of these things are what make them different and complementary that poetry does rely on specific language and imagery to connect to the reader, although the things that it may be exploring are quite similar to the things we might explore with abstraction. And in truly non-representational work, we transcend those things, but we then lose a kind of specific connection that we might be able to gain through the use of poetry. So I, in that way, I think that they really are complementary, and it's why for me, they're so powerfully linked when I paint. Yeah. So let's, let's get back to that a little bit, because you brought it up earlier that there's a certain feeling in your mind or a, a shift of perception 
that happens when you work with poetry as a as a point of departure, as a basis, whatever you want to call it. And, and I would say for both of us doing this, that it's not about illustrating the poem at all. And, you know, I, I didn't feel that uh, when I was working with this Seamus Heaney poem, and I, I assume you feel the same. But it's this kind of uh, interesting place where you're, you're feeling the, the impact of the poem. To me, it's almost like an atmosphere that I enter when I read Heaney's work. I'm in this very earthy place, yet there's this transcendental feeling about it. There's a somewhat metaphysical feeling that he brings to a lot of his work. And I don't think I could get it any other way. That it, it and like you say, it's very specific. Um, for some reason, I relate to it, and I can enter that world just by reading his work. Yeah, I feel similarly that when I enter into a poem, especially a poem that's written by somebody whose life I find particularly interesting, and often their lives that. I feel I have some kind of connection with that helps me get into a space that's somehow outside myself because I'm thinking about somebody else experiencing these kinds of things and their view on it and their expression of it. But at the same time, that helps me get more deeply inside myself and think about how I experience those things. And that simultaneous almost disconnect puts me in a space that makes me much more able to paint expressively. Mm. Yeah, I remember, I don't know, it was quite a few years ago, writing something about the feeling when I'm painting of being both inside myself and outside of myself, which sounds like what you're talking about. And it's it's it removes you from, you know, your ordinary train of thought, which can be all kinds of things. I mean, it can be jumping around to whatever daily things you're dealing with, or it could be more, um, you know, poetic or lots of other things. And I mean, I know, I know when I paint, it can be various things. I mean, sometimes I'm sort of distracted by something in my mind, some to-do list or something. <laughs> and, you know, that's not very conducive to painting. And, and other times, um, there's a very calm sort of meditative feeling or, um, or something poetic in my mind. And those, those really seem, when I can sustain that leads to better painting. And I think feeding those kind of states of mind with, with poetry seems, um, very, um, it seems very fruitful, really. Yeah, it's, it certainly is for me. And where some painters might you know, come here to Greece and have all of this input of food and language and color and landscape and people and culture and be able to use that to access something for their paintings. For me, it's spending weeks or months reading poems, reading about the poets themselves, reading about the historical period that they lived and wrote in, and really just doing that over and over again so that that whole thing combines into a kind of mental and emotional space that I can just access and then use it to fuel my painting. Well, it's interesting you brought up 
being in Greece, uh, one of the poets that you mentioned is Greek. And I wonder if there's anything by being in this culture, and obviously we're sort of skimming the surface here. I mean, we're here for a couple of weeks. Um, I will say uh, for myself, actually being in Ireland while I was working with Seamus Heaney's work was beneficial to me. I could feel, I could feel the culture. I could feel the atmosphere as part of what I was doing. And I'm just wondering if there's anything like that. I know you're not working with his work right now, but does it help you connect with him? It does. Constantine uh, Kavafi was an interesting poet because although he was Greek, uh, he was born and spent most of his life in Alexandria, Egypt. And, you know, that changed his life in some ways because he was living among Egyptian culture, although he was Greek. But he wrote frequently about a lot of classical Greek uh, history, mythology, ideas, and I have to say that that aspect of his poetry was much more foreign to me when I was using his work initially. I was much more drawn to his more intimate, personal struggles with love and his sexuality in you know, early 20th century Egypt. But coming here and seeing this deep, deep early human history, it does change things. I, I do feel the work that poetry specifically is more transcendent to me, whereas earlier it felt very alien and an aspect of his poetry that I didn't really connect to. And I, I, I think it's uh, something that, like um, art, I mean, I, I, our, our experience of it and our how much we're drawn to it over time can change by our own situation. I think back to different artists over time that I felt very drawn to, very connected to. And then, you know, I could continue to enjoy their work, like their work, but it wouldn't be really the same meaning to me because somehow in that point in my life, I was connecting strongly with it. And so um, when you think about poetry that you're drawn to and how you might experience it at different times of your life. It's interesting saying, well, now in Greece, I'm sort of understanding that that part of him. Um, and I think as a way for people who have not read a lot of poetry to maybe enter that world is to find someone that they connect with the culture that the person is writing from or the time period the person is writing from. Yeah, absolutely. Just as I think uh, if somebody wants to connect with non-representational abstract painting, you know, they might connect with color or they might connect with line or something that, that resonates with them. And for a poet, choosing something that feels more personal, like the time period they lived in or a particular struggle that they went through or a particular subject that they write about frequently, something that is personal to you to help you link up to that and then allow you to explore it more is a way in, just as we find things as a way into abstract painting. So when you work from someone's poetry, to what extent do you want the viewer to know the connection? Do you want uh, do you use titles that connect to their work? Would you like to connect 
paintings to specific poems. Um, and this is something I think you and I will be deciding in our exhibit is how much we want to point people to the specific sources of what we're doing. Um, I, I think for me, I definitely don't source individual paintings with individual poems. Neither you nor I are doing that. I, I can't really imagine doing that. It's something much broader because it does also include their lives and, and their struggles. But I do often title them with some kind of reference to particular words in a poem, the title of a poem, or even something uh, about their life. Like I, I called one of my paintings, uh, The Poet Falls, and that was a painting about uh, Edna St. Vincent Millay. And it was an overlay of the way she died, which was to fall down a flight of stairs. But it was also an overlay that she had an immensely uh, famous career for a poet. I mean, more so than almost any American poet in history. And then she just fell out of favor almost overnight. And those two things that she lost her poetry life of fame and that she lost her true life of fame, both as, as falls, that matters to me. If somebody looking at my work can connect with that aspect of the work as well, I think it does deepen their connection to that. I do hope that people look at the poets and the work that, I, that I'm inspired by and connect that to the paintings. But if they don't, that's okay too. I would like the work to transcend that and that somebody could look at the work and not know anything about my source and still find moods, feelings, things that are deeply personal about the work that don't need an explanation on some level. And that That's kind of a... A universal idea about abstraction that you don't you don't necessarily need to know. It kind of brings us back to the beginning. You don't need to know what it's about. Mm -hmm. um, the painting itself should work and should give the viewer um, a sort of a stage to enter with their own um, reactions, memories, emotions, etc. Um, but and I, I do think it's nice the 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 concept of the show that. Uh, we're doing. I really enjoyed enjoyed working with that, and still am working. I'm not quite ready for the show yet, uh, but I had not used poetry as a source before, and I have to say it's it's really opened a door, and it's made me curious about other poets. And I, when I was first uh, presented with the idea. I froze up a little. I thought, well, I, I don't really read poetry. <laughs> um, why not? I think I was in that place that you described at the very beginning, like um, seemed inaccessible to me. And being more or less uh, forced to, <laughs> to, to find my way in has been a pleasure. And, and I wonder if people are listening to this and feeling in the place where I was, as in, I don't really know anything about poetry, but but suspecting that it is a very rich world that they would like to enter, do you have any thoughts or advice about how to go about that? Oh, that's, that's challenging. Um, you know, poetry is a very, very broad field. And I think that for some people, choosing contemporary poetry might be an easier place to start because people might be using language and styles that are more contemporary rather than some of the more historic uh, structures and language. Uh, but I do think that it's important to choose 
poetry that when you read it, at least in the beginning, it you feel something about it. You feel something about the flow of the words, the way they sound, that even if you don't understand the meaning of it, that just the words themselves somehow make you feel good or make you feel something in the same way that abstract art that you may not understand at the beginning, you feel something just by looking at it or by listening to a Chopin nocturne. You don't understand it, but you feel something about it. And that's the place in that you can then read more about Chopin and his nocturnes, or you can read more about, you know, any abstract painter and their work that simply allowing the words themselves to be accessible to you is to me one of the first ways in. And if you can then link that up with the poet, him or herself, and find something about their life that is interesting, find out why their poetry evolved the way it evolved, then I think you can start to get into that deeper aspect of exploration that we're talking about. Right. So, so when you first picked up Edna St. Vincent Millay, for example, there was something that right away you were struck, even if you didn't know that much about her. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are like anthologies and things where somebody who really didn't know where to start with it could could begin to just flip through and find things. And um, I, I, from my somewhat limited exposure, I would say you kind of know within reading a first several poems, even if you're not reading them deeply, that there is something that's pulling you in. And that's, you know, that's how I felt with, with Heaney's work. Like I'd had, I'd had access to it for a while. I dipped into it here and there, but I hadn't really gotten past that threshold of I'm just sort of skimming through and getting some visuals here, you know, or some feelings. And to go to the next level of sitting and really focusing on it for, you know, a period of time and finding that depth to it. I think one of the benefits we have now uh, in this age of technology is you don't have to rely on an anthology that somebody else put together. There are poetry websites that have enormous volumes of poetry and you could just choose a subject that you like. You could say, I want to read that I want to read poems about death or I want to read poems about loss or about trees. And suddenly you have 50 poems about trees and you can read through some of those until you find a language about that thing that resonates with you. And then that gives you a way in to start exploring that particular poet. Yeah, that's a really good idea. And I think as painters, we we do know things, topics that interest us in our painting. So that's a perfect connection to say, um, you know, I'm interested in um, expansion and growth or something. And then you just put that in. And yeah, that's very interesting. Good. Well, I, um, I think that sort of gives people a way forward with this if you're interested in this. And um, stay tuned for images of our exhibit coming up in the fall. And um, any, any last words? Only that I, th I think uh, anybody who enjoys non-representational or abstract painting, there's a good chance that on some level you're going to find some poetry resonant with you. And I would really encourage 
your listeners to explore that world a little bit if they've never done that before. You don't have to go deeply into it, but at least uh, explore it a little bit. See what you find. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, Jerry. Yeah. Thank you, Rebecca. Bye now. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com, as well as www.rebeccacroll.com, and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.